Our scripture for this morning's message is Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And also Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, which reads, And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be familiar with both of these scriptures. The first is part of the Lord's Prayer. The second is part of Jesus' succinct summary of the Ten Commandments condensed into two commandments, the second being, love your neighbor as yourself. We pray the Lord's Prayer usually from memory because of our familiarity with it. Uh, It reads, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. Now to put this scripture in context, the Lord's Prayer is part of a section of the Gospels known as the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus lays out his teachings on kingdom living. Jesus offers the Lord's Prayer for daily use. Its purpose, to invite God to put his stamp on the day. Verses 9 and 10 parallel the first commandment, according to Jesus, which is to put God first in your life. Relationship with God comes first. Verses 11 through 15 also parallel Jesus' commandments, the second part of which is to love your neighbor as yourself, along with the very practical request for physical needs, daily bread. The prayer teaches us to ask forgiveness. But it doesn't stop there. We are expected to give forgiveness too. How easy it is to gloss over this part, even though it's the continuation of one thought, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We ask forgiveness as we forgive others. It's not two separate things. It's not just that I personally need to be forgiven. Others need forgiveness too, and not just from God. Forgiveness, at least in my kingdom, starts with me forgiving others. This morning, I want to suggest that in this part of the the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is initiating a new way of walking with others built on forgiveness. The Old Testament reminds us Jesus' way of walking with others is truly radical. The first 11 chapters of Genesis describe how far and how quickly unrepentant humans fell after the garden. Divisions between people at every level of human relationships reached such a violent pitch, the admonition, an eye for an eye, was a vast improvement for ratcheting down the vindication and vengeance 
that ruled the day. In that context, Jesus invites us not only to pray forgiveness for others, but invites us to walk with them in forgiveness as well. Jesus describes this when he says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. You see, sin and the offenses that require forgiveness act like ripples through water. When the water is disturbed, it's not disturbed once and then peace returns. No, ripples radiate out, replicating the disturbance across the surface until it finally comes up against something that stops it. Waves are giant ripples. When you think of the destructive power of waves, the ultimate wave, a tsunami, it's frightening to consider. I saw a movie not too long ago that was about a, the devastation uh, wreaked upon a sleep in Malaysian resort by a surprise tsunami. Unfettered, our collective sins can create tsunamis wreaking havoc on us and every level of relationships in our lives. Marriage relationships, families, friendships, churches, neighborhoods, yes, even nations. It takes something powerful that taps into the divine to counter such a destructive force. In relationship terms, that power is unleashed with forgiveness. During the Rwandan genocide in the mid-90s, the entire family of a woman named Immokalee was murdered in a massacre. Immokalee chose to forgive the people behind the death of her family and went on to write a best-selling book entitled Left to Tell. She founded the Left to Tell charitable fund in order to help children who have been orphaned due to genocide. Rwanda's history was marred by tragic cultural genocide. Yet decades later, healing and reconciliation have begun throughout the country. This is an incredible reminder of the power of forgiveness to heal not only individuals, but communities. With forgiveness, Jesus gives us a tool for calming the ripples and repairing the damage from the destructive waves of our sin and the sins of those around us. Through forgiveness, we can hold on to relationships and even whole communities if we freely and daily offer forgiveness. Let me state it this way. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to make space in our day, every day, for forgiveness. You want to experience the peace that passes understanding? Make space for forgiveness in your day. You want to help usher in the kingdom? Make space for forgiveness in your day. Now, I must confess... 
There are spaces in my day when I tend to be less forgiving of those around me. Ever been in traffic and been totally offended by the driving habits of those around you? Maybe that's a space in my life where I need to make room for forgiveness. Ever get online and see a post or receive an email and feel totally offended by what it said? Maybe that's a space in your life where you need to make more room for forgiveness. But you say, how many times do I have to forgive others? Peter asked that question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Make lots of space for forgiveness in your life. Forgiveness is not about being right or wrong either. It's not a zero-sum game. Forgiveness is about wholeness and love and community and relationship. Forgiveness makes room for ambiguity in relationships. And God makes it a supreme priority. Read again Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The focus is not just on receiving forgiveness. It's on giving forgiveness. Sometimes we need forgiveness because we are just wrong. Sometimes we need to give forgiveness because we've been wronged. Forgive. Sometimes we need forgiveness because we are not quite right in the way we treat others. Sometimes we need to forgive because others treat us not quite right. Times when we say things that we're sorry we said or we do things or behave in ways that offend someone, we don't break one of the Ten Commandments, but we do hurt a relationship. That requires forgiveness for healing to happen. Sometimes we need forgiveness even when we are right. Sometimes we need to forgive others even when we believe we are in the right. When I speak of right, I mean that we believe we are right and that we believe or in that what we believe is true. Ideas, political ideologies, cultural views, these may all seem right to us, but seem quite wrong to someone else. What do you do when that someone else is a family member or our neighbor? Forgiveness holds the key. Remember, it's not a zero-sum game. But our society pushes the idea that there are only winners and losers. God's kingdom runs by a different set of rules. And no one deserves forgiveness. The Bible is full of examples of people God forgives, of acts of forgiveness that seem so impossible, so undeserved. Joseph, 
who forgives his brothers who left him to die out in the elements, to be eaten by a predator, later to be rescued by traitors, but then sold into slavery. Hosea. The Bible tells us he's a godly man who forgives his wife and her gross infidelity. And it provides a picture of God's overwhelming grace to us. Jesus reminds us of the story of the father's unconditional love for a prodigal son. Over and over again, we see forgiveness is the key to relationships saved, restored, renewed. That forgiveness is something only God can truly give. But, and here's the miracle, he gives forgiveness through us when we offer forgiveness to others. Relationships, are unst- they're unsustainable without forgiveness. With forgiveness, we don't have to choose winners and losers every time. Forgiveness holds the key. Through forgiveness, we can remain in fellowship, hold our beliefs, and stay in relationship with our neighbors and in our community. The 13th century Persian poet Rumi said, Out beyond our ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Carol Braverman teaches in a private high school in New England. And in one of her classes, she had a student named Lisa. On the first day of class, when she called her name, she pronounced it Lisa. Lisa politely corrected her pronunciation. The next day, it happened again. Lisa, she called. Lisa, she corrected, with a Z. Braverman apologized, but despite the simplicity of the name, Braverman could not get it right. She would call out Lisa, then immediately correct herself, uh, Lisa. The class began to call her Lisa Lisa. Despite the good-natured vibes to the joke, Braverman worried that Lisa would think she was deliberately mocking her. In spite of all this, the mistake persisted. Braverman couldn't shake it and said she came to dread the roll call. So it continued with Lisa, Lisa, every day in class. Until one day Braverman saw her student walking alone on campus and caught up with her. Lisa, she said, then immediately stopped, distressed, beyond apology. But at that point, Lisa flung her arms around Braverman in a hug. Ms. B, she said, it doesn't matter, really. It's fine. You can call me Lisa. Don't worry about it. Braverman said from that moment on, I never got her name wrong again. Not once. It was as if the girl's forgiveness had released me from some enchantment 
like in a fairy tale. In the annals of the world's giant wrongs, this is a small story and a minor miracle at best, but I never forgot it, and the generosity of its heart has informed many moments since. Forgiveness doesn't work unless it is delivered with love, with agape love. And none of it really holds together except in the context of the resurrection. Uh, But after all, that's how the Christian life works, right? Around the resurrection. Seated in God's great love and resting on the hope of the resurrection where all things are made new, Through forgiveness, we can hold our relationships and communities together. We can live with the full knowledge of the debts owed and the sins committed, and they not ultimately keep us from relationship and community. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grace you've poured out for us through your forgiveness, and for inviting us to be a part of that miracle of delivering forgiveness to a world that so desperately needs it. Starting with me, starting in this day where I'm making more room for forgiveness in my day. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.